Welcome to Inside the Pipe, the industrial refrigeration podcast that covers the work, lifestyle, and hazards of a career in natural refrigeration, where we love the smell of ammonia and hate the smell of sulfur. Here's your host, Joshua Reese. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the fourth episode of Inside the Pipe. It's been a while since I've done an episode, and I am definitely glad to be back. Um, So since the last time I did an episode, I've had a promotion that's pretty much taken me out of the service industry. I am now the regional account manager for Clauser USA, and I am over the Tennessee and Kentucky market. So if any of you guys are in one of these areas, don't hesitate to reach out. We're always looking for talented individuals to work on the team. So shoot me a message if you are in one of these markets. I also had COVID run through my house. All six of my kids got it. Um, The funny thing about this, not that there's anything funny about COVID, is that neither myself or my wife got it. Um, I believe the reason for that is is because we're pretty healthy. I take my daily vitamins with 2,000 milligrams of vitamin C in the morning and 2,000 milligrams uh, in the evening, and I think that that made a huge difference. Um, not that this is a forum for health or anything like that. I figured I'd let you guys know that taking your supplements may help you with not getting sick at times. It definitely strengthens your immune system. Um, it's always good to take care of your body. So I'm not going to take up much time in the intro because we have a long podcast today. So our guest really needs no introduction. I will be joined today by Mr. Arlie Farley. Arlie and his family are legends in this industry. I'm sure you all remember that donkey on the Rita Breeze magazine saying, keeping your ass cool. Um, That's something that I always thought was cool, especially when I was younger in the uh, industry. Um, He's also heavily involved with the Rita board and refrigeration is a lifestyle to this guy. Uh, Before we get into it, I'd like to say that this podcast is as real life as it gets. You know, we talk just like we would if we were standing around bullshitting. So if language offends you, this probably isn't the episode for you. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, Mr. Arlie Farley. I have been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. How is it going, man? Going great, sir. How about you? I am doing great. So um, before we before we got on or before we started recording this, we were talking about a story, and I decided, you know, we talked about we need to catch this on the on the podcast. So let's go ahead and get and get into it. This we were talking about your mom's your mom's birthday. <laughs> well, you know, it has nothing to do with refrigeration, but uh, for my mother's 60th birthday, she wanted two things. She wanted to go see Lady Chablis at Club One, which is a gay club in Savannah. And yeah. she wanted to go to Paula Dean's restaurant for dinner. <laughs> yeah, so nice. I made a bunch of phone calls, no answer, sent a bunch of emails, no answer, no nothing for club one. So I told my wife, I said, look, I said, it's five hours up there. Let's jump in the car. Let's cruise to Savannah. So Saturday morning, we jump in the car. We cruise to Savannah. We get there. Club one doesn't open till 5 p.m. So well. we do the little town tour you know, the hop on, hop off the bus and tour Savannah, like, you know, like tourists. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit after five, we go to club one gay club, go downstairs. The guy working the bars in a pair of Daisy Duke shorts and his shirt (laughs) tied up. 
And there's two women sitting at the bar with their cigarettes rolled up in the sleeve of their shirt. Oh, yeah. And they looked at me like I had four heads walking into that club. (laughs) Well, the guy proceeds to put his leg up on the counter and point his package toward me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And I tell him, I said, look, my mom wants to go see uh, Lady Chablis for uh, her 60th birthday, and I need, you know, six tickets. And he goes, well, we don't normally do tickets. I said, well, I'm driving five hours to get here. I want to make sure that I got a seat. And he said, well, I'll put your name on the list. I said, okay, cool. So as we're walking back upstairs, my wife's behind me and my wife is just giggling and she's going, that guy's watching your ass. That guy's watching your ass. And we get outside and I look at her and she goes, did you see what he did with his leg? He put his leg up on the, on the thing and pointed his package at you. I said, I said, honey, I said, we're in a club. It's eye contact. I ain't looking nowhere else and you ain't looking nowhere else. Look me in the eyes. Oh my goodness. (laughs) But long story short, um, we were able to get in the club one for mom's birthday. Um, actually met the owner of the club that evening when we went up there and got an autographed CD for my mom for her birthday. And we got into Paula Dean's restaurant and I'm a Southern boy. I wasn't really impressed with Paula Dean's at all. So really, that was, that was mom. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it's a Southern buffet and there wasn't even, yeah. any, there wasn't no biscuits or no cornbread on the buffet. No kidding. Now, how are you going to have a, bu- uh, they got, they got yeah. biscuits and they got biscuits and cornbread at Kentucky fried chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I would have thought that that would have been, my mom is a huge, my mom, um, you know, I'm from Florida too. Uh, you know, down there in Polk County, I, I started at, at the Publix facility there, which y'all basically, you know, yep. you and or your dad and, and old man Kelly built. Yep. Um, but, you know, that that's my mom is a huge Paula Dean fan. And and we've she, like she cons she's got her cookbook. I mean, she oh, cooks yeah. just like her. So that's something that I've always, uh, you know, uh, that kind of shocks me that that her yep. restaurant wasn't that good. Southern Southern Buffet. So. Southern buffet. <laughs> it wasn't wow. it wasn't it wasn't that good at all in my opinion. So but hey, everybody to their own, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, Arlie, let it let's uh go ahead and get into this thing. How did uh you know, let's go back to how did Farley's come about? How did y'all get started? Well, um the stories that I was always told was my dad was working for Filbert Corporation down here in Florida. Yep. And Everyone company-wide got a nickel raise. And my dad didn't get a nickel raise. So he uh, went into the um, boss man's office and said, look, everybody company-wide got a nickel. I want my nickel. And the president of the company told him, he said, Farley, you make more money than me now. And Dad, dad said, well, hell, I do more work than you. I want my nickel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean, how are you going to give a nickel to everybody and then skip one person? Yeah, yeah, true. And so uh, he got pissed off and he come back home and he said something to my mother about, you know, um, well, I'm just, I'm just going to look into starting my own. Well, my mother, being a West Virginia woman, she took it in her own hands and about a week later, when he come back off the job, she said, okay. She said, our, uh, our fictitious name is done. Our EIN is done. Um, our articles of incorporation are done. We're just waiting on you to pull the trigger. 
And he was like, wow. excuse me. She said, Hey, you started this. Let's do it. And so, wow. um, so they mortgaged the house that was paid for and bought their first load of equipment. Um, let me back up a little bit. He went into Filbert and told him he was going into business for himself. He was starting his own and he was giving him a one month, um, notice. That's respectable. And they were like, well, why one month? He said, cause I got two jobs that I'm on and I'm in the middle of, and I'm not quitting in the middle of a job. I'm going to finish these two jobs and then I'm done. Don't give me any more work. I don't want anything else to do. And he finished those jobs and he started his own. Um, I want to say it was, uh, three or four compressors was the first ones that he bought and sold his first six cylinder to Indian river foods down in Vero beach. Yep. And, um, many years later when Indian river foods was out of business and going up on the auction block, we bought that six cylinder back. So the number one six cylinder that he sold sits out here in front of my office now. No kidding. Yep bought wow. that one. And it's like, I told my, my brother and my mother at the time, my, my mama, I told him, I was like, look, I want that one. I'd like yeah. to, ha- I'd like to have some more equipment from the plant, but I want that one. Yeah. And, um, dad basically just wanted to do a little bit of service. That's all he wanted to do. He was, uh, he, he called the company Our legal name is Farley's SRP incorporated stands for screw rotary and piston. The, the three types okay. of compressor that he wants to work with, work on. Yep. And not long after being in business, they hung the, the slang name of Farley's refrigeration on him because, yep. well, you being from Polk County, you know what refrigeration is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean the, yep. the, the big box in your kitchen, you keep your milk, your eggs and your beer in. It's a refrigerator. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, I mean, it's not a yep. refri- it's not a refrigerator. It's a refrigerator. No, it's a refrigerator. And so, yep. as as time has progressed, I tell people that uh, we call it Farley's refrigeration because we did it right the first time. Yeah, because technically, <laughs> when you refrigerate something, means you didn't do it right the first time. So you got to do it again. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's just you know that's just a silly way of looking at it, and um. Started off with him and his truck, and they actually told him the day that he said he was going to go into business for himself. They said, Farley, you'll never make it in this business wearing them bibbed overalls and driving that ugly truck. Wow. Well, that was uh, coming up uh, this November will be 43 years. Man. And when we buried dad in 2001, we buried him in a pair of bibbed overalls. And his ugly truck is sitting out here in the yard where he parked it before he died in 2001. I haven't had the heart to move it yet. I'm not, I'm not ready to move it. I don't blame you. You know, I'm I'm just, I'm just not ready. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't blame you at all. So he had, you know, that's so funny because that's exactly what I, you know, me coming up in Polk County, of course, at working there at Publix, Farley's was a big name, Filbert and, and Farley's. Um, and you know, that was, that's how I knew your dad. I never had the privilege of meeting him, but we all knew about the, the old, old man. Yeah. The bibs and, and, or the overalls. And then the, 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 
truck or the van that he's yes. so explain this a little bit to me because i've heard rumors out there about how he would take a new it may be maybe it's bullshit i don't know but how he would take a new vehicle and put the the old shell of the van on is that is that true well um back in the day when he was just driving the van every I don't know, a few years, he would put a new engine, a new transmission and a new rear end under the van to keep it going and just keep the old ugly shell. <laughs> okay. Well, um, in, I'm going to say it was around 1985, the engine went out again and he had a crew cab dually and he come up with the bright idea, cutting the front half of the van off <laughs> and putting it on the back of the truck. <laughs> because oh, okay. well he's always worked out of a van his whole life so he never worked out of a utility bed he never worked out mm. of you know he never worked out of anything else other than a van you know his yeah. big his big thing was buckets i remember yeah. grow, i remember growing up he'd send me to the truck for a wrench and i said well, where is it he sits in one of them buckets and so you had to dig through the buckets to find the wrench i'm more of a fan of the utility bed you know i mean personally yeah yeah you know, it's not, it's not as easy to lock up, especially in the bed, unless you've got a cap or something like that on it. But yeah, that was the yeah. old man's van. In fact, um, you know, I don't know how many people know this, but after he died, I had kind of a tough time. You know, I went through me and dad never got along and, really? um, oh yeah, we, it was oil and water my entire, well, I would say my entire life. Um, if you want to tell, if you want to go for that story, here we go. Um, yeah, let's go. <laughs> we never got, we never got along. Well, one Saturday I was in the shop working and he rolled up on his golf cart and he said, uh, I wouldn't do it that way. I don't even remember what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. He goes, he goes, I wouldn't do it that way. So I went over and I leaned on his golf cart and I said, you know, when I was growing up, there was three ways to do something the right way, the wrong way, and your way, and it didn't make a fuck which way I did it. It was wrong unless it was yours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said, I'm 28 years old. I consider myself to be a man. I don't ask a swinging dick in this world for nothing. I said, wow. there's, there's four ways to do something. And he cocked his eye. I don't know if any, I don't know if you've ever seen his eye cocked, but he had one eyebrow <laughs> up, one eyebrow down. I said, the right way, the wrong way, your way, and my way. And I don't give a fuck how you do it. I'm doing it my way. <laughs> and what was his response to that? Oh, he became, I'm going to say he became seven shades of red and he drew his fist back like he was going to hit me. Oh, wow. And I mean, I'm telling you, we, we, we didn't have any fisticuffs growing up, but yeah. we never, we never got along. And I told him, I said, get the fuck out of here. I got work to do. And when I get done, I'll come in the house and bullshit with you before I go home. And from that day forward, me and him could hold a conversation. We could talk about work. We could talk about trucks. We could talk about anything we wanted to talk about. And I want to say it was about four months later, he passed away. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I think... The best thing I can come up with is he was trying to, he was trying to push me to be a man, but be my own man. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm very headstrong. People that know me know that I'm very, I'm very opinionated and I stick to my opinion, good, bad, right, wrong. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, know me. There's, it's, it's like I tell people, there's two kind of people. There's two, two kind of people in this world. The kind that like me and the kind that don't. I don't give a damn which one of them you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. That's I, so funny. I, I, I remember seeing you. Um, I don't know how long ago this was. It was in, it was at the Rita conference um, in Atlanta. Which, okay. So that was about five or six years ago. Uh, and it was the funniest thing that I'd ever seen in my entire life. Cause I guess it, I guess that year you were in charge of the, the, uh, groups or whatever, you know, yeah, like the Rita chapters, Nashville. The chapters, yeah. Chapters, the chapters. Yep. I'm yeah, sorry. The chapters, yep. So you walked up there and I mean, you just didn't say hardly anything. You said, look, you see all that white space up there. Y'all need to do a better job at getting, the, <laughs> getting that shit filled. <laughs> well, I, it, it's, That was in the beginning of my board time, uh, 2000, that was 2014. Yeah. And for anybody who's ever been in front of a mic in front of a bunch of people, um, the first few times is rough. It is getting up there. I always tease that there's a vacuum around that microphone and you can't hardly breathe. Yeah. And you can't, you can't really focus on things, but yeah. Other times as I grew and I became more comfortable with it. And the biggest thing I tell them now when, when I'm doing anything like that, look, give me, I need a microphone. I got to move. I can't stand still. I got to, I got to be able to yeah. move because it helps me with my thoughts. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, and that's the, the Rita thing. I love it. Um, the, the Rita group, those are my people. You know, they're the, yeah. they're the greasy hands, the boots on the ground. Those yeah. are the guys and gals that get out here. And, you know, I, I hate to steal a line from Larry, the cable guy, but those are the get her duns. Yeah. Yeah. Most and, certainly. And, and really, really, I may even want to change that to the Goddard dids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There is, uh, you know, I even still get nervous on, on doing these podcasts, you know, before it, it's, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if it's because I know that a bunch of people are going to listen to it or, you know, I, or I'm insecure that, that someone's going to think I'm dumb or something like that, but there's, there's something to it. You know, it's, it takes, a it takes some getting used to, to be able to talk in front of a microphone and, and talk to a bunch of people. One of the hardest things that I ever did was I put on a class and I don't remember what class it was, but I had Rob Ellison from General Refrigeration set in front row center (laughs) and I was beyond nervous because I just knew he's a past reader president, um, very talented gentleman, and I just knew he was going to stump me. And, um, when it was all said and done, he come up, shook my hand, said, good job. And I was like, really? He said, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you sure? <laughs> you yeah. Know? You know, I, you know, it's funny. Cause all that, a lot of that shit is in our heads. It is. You know, all, is. all that, all those insecurities, you know, I, I've, I've, I'm getting to the age and I'm 30, 37, Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just now getting the age to where I realize that, you know, a lot of this stuff, a lot of these insecurities and crap like that is in my head. They're not thinking it, you know, yep. but it's, but I'm thinking they're thinking it. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's like my wife's told me, you know, she's watched me put on the, the epic fail uh, presentation that I put on and she's watched it from, I'm going to call it the infancy. She's watched it from the very, very beginning. And she's told me, she said, you're good at that. And I'm like, 
it's a stupid show. It's, you know, it's just stupid stuff I'm putting out there. She said, but people get it. They got to be able mm-hmm. to see the train wreck. They, you know, they don't, they don't go to a hockey game for the hockey game. They go to a hockey game for the fight. You don't yeah. watch, you don't watch NASCAR for NASCAR. You watch it for the wreck. You want to see the big wreck. And so mm-hmm. the epic fail presentation has been nothing but an hour of wrecks, an hour of fights, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I tell people, this is not the place to hold your hand up and go, Ooh, look, that's from my plant. No, you don't want to tell people that you, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and my only concern with it is I don't want to be known as the epic fail guy. You know, I mean, I like that forum and I like that program just to show people, Hey, this stuff's wrong. This stuff's out there. We've got to watch yeah. this. You know, we, we got yeah. to keep an eye out for it. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's uh, let's talk about Vilter Recepts. You guys okay. are known for being the experts on Vilter Recepts. What are some of the common issues you see? Um, what are some of the mistakes you see that customers make uh, when operating Recips. Well, first off, I'm, I want to. I don't. You know, I don't. I don't want to correct you, but I, I need to correct you on expert. To okay, me, go ahead. To, to me, the term expert means you know everything there is to know. And in this business, the day that you think you're an expert, or the day you call yourself an expert, is going to be the day you get hurt or you hurt somebody else. You know. Yeah. I, I want to yep. call. I, I respect wanna, that. I want to call myself a professional. Yeah. You know. Um. I've. I've fought about that word, you know, actually through Rita, Rita, you know, they've said, you know, well, you're the expert in this and you're the expert in that. And I said, no, 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 I'm a professional. I'm never, I don't want to be an expert because if you take the word expert and you break it down, an X is a has been a perch to drop a water. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be an expert. I want to be a professional, you know, um, the Vilter Recip. Well, I cut my teeth on them, you know, um, I'm 48 years old. I tore into my first one when I was 12 years old wow. um, by myself. Of course, my dad. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had <laughs> I had oil. I bet you I had oil on my big toe. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and this is back in the days, uh, the early days of some of the synthetic oils. So the oil that was in this machine turned you purple. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was at Indian River Foods. Um, down in, uh, down in Vero and, you know, my dad had a, my dad had a service contract. So we'd go down there like Saturdays and Sundays and go through the house every summer. And so he took me with him and, you know, he basically, he took, he, he took the heads off or took, uh, you know, loosened the springs and got the the spring loaded head portion off. So I wouldn't get hurt. Handed me the wrenches. He said, pull, pull the rods and pistons boy. And just let me go. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. at, At 12. You know, nice. And um, some of the things I see, a lot of it is just not paying attention. It's not. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's just not paying attention. Once again, I'll use some of his words: get your mind off a of pussy and get your mind on work. <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully, I can say that if I can't. Yeah, well, oh, you can um, say anything you want. <laughs> you know, that was yeah. that was that was the old man's way of saying it. You know, that's um, a good saying. <laughs> well, I mean, if your mind isn't on your work, if your mind is somewhere else, you're doing you're in the wrong business. You need to have your mind focused on this at this time. 
You know, I've seen, yeah. um, my most recent one that I saw was, um, customer called me and he needed a set of rod bearings. So we sent him a set of rod bearings. Um, he called me up and he said, the machine won't get oil pressure. I said, okay, it's, what do you mean? It won't get oil pressure. It won't get oil pressure. I said, okay, pull the handhold covers off of it. Put your electric oil pump on where the oil pressure gauge is, pump oil into it and stick your head in the bottom and look where it's gushing. Mm-hmm. You, sh- you should have about an eighth of an inch stream at the front main bearing, about an eighth of an inch stream at the rear main bearing, and you should have drips at the rods. Hmm. Well, he sent me a video, and it was just gushing, pouring from the rods. I mean, like a waterfall. And so oh, my, wow. que- my question was, uh, did you mic the crank? Well, no. I said, well, looks to me like you put standard bearings on a 15,000 crank. I mm. said, I said, where's the old bearings? Well, I threw them away. So, well, the best thing you can do is be pull them out and put a mic on that crank to see what the cranks cut to. So he went and dug through the garbage and found the old bearings and the old bearings were 15,000. So the wow. next, the next question he had was, is can I, rather than pulling all the rods and pistons, can I put them in? Can I spin them in one at a time? And my answer to that is I've done it, but it sucks. Yeah. I mean, it sucks straight up, (laughs) straight up. up, It sucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I had to do one, okay, I'd do one, but 12, no. And I told him, I said, make sure that you don't have two number sixes. And he was like, excuse me. I said, well, years ago, there was a facility that the in-house guy, they did their rebuild and it spun two rod bearings. So I go in there to to look at what happened. And upon real further inspection, I found two connecting rods that were numbered number six. But if you really looked at the, at the numbers, you could see one was, I'm going to pick on an aerial font. And the other one was a times new Roman. The, the six was different on the two rods. Hmm. And he mixed the caps up. So, in my opinion, when you're doing one of these machines, if you're taking it apart, pull the cap off, pull that rod, put that cap on that rod, put a, put a nut on it. Keep that cap with that rod because yeah. each cap is mated to the rod. Yeah. Um, come to find Did out, they have- he had, oh, he had okay. caps. He had caps from everything. Nothing was matched. So, oh, my goodness. So he yeah. just took them out and threw them to the side yep. and then put it all back together. Yep. Wow. Yep. Lucky, you know that's. He's lucky. I've never. I, I've. I have. So I've <laughs> never been. I, I got trained by a guy on Vilter Recepts. Now I knew to keep the 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 rod caps with the rods that you, t- you that you pull them off. Um, but I have. That you know that's something that. I, I think a lot of these guys out here don't know. You know, they, they do just pull them off and throw them to the side and then just put any rods, you know, some, I've known some guys that didn't even know that they were numbered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pay attention to the numbers, pay attention to the notches. Um, that's the one thing, you know, I mean, you get some of the people that do, uh, engine building and what they'll do is they'll pull that connecting rod and they'll actually number that as far as, you know, one, two, three, four, five, whatever it is. And they'll yeah. keep, they'll keep that rod, that piston with that hole. Well, if you're going to put new rings on it and you're going to hone the liners, you've already taken all the wear off of it. So yeah. to me, it doesn't matter where it goes back 
as long as it goes back, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. You can get all the micrometers out and all the dial bore gauges and do all that stuff for the cylinder liners. Personally, use your fingers. Take your finger, feel down in the liner. If you feel any lip at all, toss it. Take your thumbnail really? and run, take your thumbnail and run around the cylinder liner in a circumference of mm-hmm. the cylinder liner. And if you get any catches or anything, any ring groove or anything, it's junk. I want to say that I want to say the tolerance is three thousandths or five thousandths is what the tolerance is. If you can yeah. feel it, if you can feel it, junk it. You know, straight up. Yeah, yeah, good information. You know, um, one of the other questions I have is people. I don't want to call it mixing up, but like uh, hell, one of my texts the other day. They went on a job, and he called and told me he said, "Well, this is a four forty machine." And I'm like, I don't think so. He goes, well, it's got 440 safety heads in it. I said, just because it has 440 safety heads in it doesn't make it a 440 machine. Yeah. Because you really need to look at the unload at the liners and look at the unloader pins. That's the quick telltale. The unloader pin, if there's eight unloader pins and they're the size of a number two pencil lead, it's yeah. the four, it's the 450 or the XL version. Mm-hmm. If that unloader pin is the size of a number two pencil and there's four of them, it's a 440. Wow. You know? Yeah. And those machines have been, I want to say the 430 machine was introduced in the 30s. And the machines of the 30s will take today's parts. You really? Know? Yes. I have. I've got one customer, they've got five machines that were put in in 1955. Wow. Yeah. And out of my 28 hard years, um, I'm going to say I have never pulled the crank from any of those machines. Now, granted, they're in the vegetable cooling business and they run three months out of the year and they're direct drive and they're running 880 RPMs. So, wow. Yeah. And, but that's low, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's low. But back in the day when it had, when it had cast iron pistons, the maximum was a thousand RPM. Well, oh, I didn't know that. Yes. There, yeah, back back in the day, back in the day, they had a cast iron piston. Oh, wow. And then when they went to the aluminum, you could speed it up to 1200 RPM. And I've been. Can you could you retrofit one? Oh yeah, with oh, yeah. new piston and then yes. just upgrade drop, the motor. Drop it, drop in, drop in, drop nice. in, drop in, drop in new pistons and spin it a little bit faster. You know, I've been told that over in Europe, they're doing. I want to say they call it a four sixty machine. And the parts book really is confusing about it, but I want to say it's a four forty machine with four fifty safety heads. And I've been told they're running them at 1,450 RPM. I'm, oh, I'm not a fan of that, you know, I mean, personally. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen one that ran that fast. Man, that blows my mind that they used to have <laughs> cast iron pistons. Cast that's, iron that's pistons, crazy. cast iron pistons. And, w- and when, you really go, when you really go way back, there's a cast iron dished piston um, similar to one of the York pistons when you really go back. Yeah, I've, I have tore apart one of them Yorks at, um, you ever been to Zellwood? Um, yep. What the hell's the, the name of that? Zellwood Farms or? Yeah, the corn, 
place. Yep, Zell they, and they got the two York compressors there. Yep. Yeah, I've I so that was the first the the four, first York. I can't even remember what was weird about there because the unloader was completely different. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had I. I can't even. What was it? A, y, a York Y compressor? Yeah, or w? yeah I, I always say. I always say York made three models. It was the G, the Y, and the R. And in my opinion, it stood for G Y R. We making compressors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, the the Y the Y the Y machine's a good machine. Yeah. Actually, actually, if you if you take a Mycom B series. And a Y machine, you'll find out that the Mycom B is a Japanese copy of a York Y. What? Really? Yes. Yes. Almost identical. Um, wow. All the way, all the way down to I'm going to say the shaft seal, the way the seal, the bearings. You know, Mycom did a couple changes. They uh, they did the external water cooling instead of the internal co- mm-hmm. cooling like York Y did. Uh, Mycom put an external safety valve on it instead of it being on the heads. But um, the Mycom B machine was uh, built after the York six and three quarter by five, which was a, a very large version of a Y. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, that's the only time I've ever seen those compressors. I haven't. That, that was the only place that I had them, and I remember, got you know, I was kind of thrown to the wolves on those. I <laughs> I had rebuilt, you know, um, you know, filter resets, but and and the my senior tech was like, oh yeah, you can do it. It's it's nothing. And I got out there, and the unloader wasn't the same. I mean, it was it was a whole different compressor. So I was yep. I was like nineteen years old, freaking the hell out that I yep. you know I didn't know what the hell I was getting into. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Done them. <laughs> yeah. That's a crazy place. Done them. That, uh, um, that Zellwood out there. Spent a, spent a lot of time down in South Florida at a facility that had a bunch of them. And we were basically going through them, you know, um, doing summer maintenance, summer overhauls. And um, while we're sitting there doing one, the one behind you, you hear a and it start vibrating and you just reach over and turn it off. It's like, okay, that one threw a rod. You know, <laughs> damn. I mean, it just, and then when you're done with that, when you just move to the next one, you know, there's been, been many a times I go to the store and buy more clothes, you know, just don't pack enough clothes and just go buy clothes and just oh, keep, yeah. keep on keeping on, you know, you come home when you, when you get time, you know, when you can, you know, the life of yep. a ser- the life of a service tech, you know, it's like I tell people, if you want a glorious job, this is not a glorious job. You know, if, no, you, want, it's if you want fame and fortune, go be a rock star. you know, but if you want to, if you want to find living and you want to be able to, I'm going to say, spin the globe, stop it with your finger and say, I want to go there. Then ammonia refrigeration is for you. You know I mean? If you want to miss holidays, if you want to miss birthdays, if you want to miss those things, Hey, this is the field, you know? I mean, there's, there's a, I want to say the number for Rita national, I think they're saying the number by 2025 is supposed to be, uh, I think it was 160,000 technicians short across the United States. That doesn't shock me. No, there, there's not this, this is, I mean, we're, we're having issues finding guys now. Like it is, it is so difficult to find any, I mean, we're all, we're looking for, for green guys, yeah. you know, somebody that we could even train. Cause there's just not some of the guys that are, are good and technical. They're m- most of them are happy, 
you know, wherever they're at, whether it's yep. stellar or whatnot, you know, so um, it's or they're getting ready to retire, you know, yep. and they don't want to move. Um, so it, this this field is struggling. Um, huge, we, huge. Yeah, I, uh, big time. <laughs> I talked to, um, as I call him, uh, my niece's boyfriend. I call him my little Peter-in-law is what I call him. <laughs> 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 you know, we were having, we were having, we were having, I don't know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, somebody's birthday, something at the house. And he's sitting outside and he said, I'm in refrigeration. I said, really, what do you do? He said, well, I do duck work. I said, you ain't, oh. you, I said, you ain't in refrigeration. Yeah. You're, I said, you're a 10 knocker. He goes, what? Yeah. I said, you're a 10 knocker. You ain't in refrigeration. He goes, no, 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 man. I do duck work. I'm like, you ain't in refrigeration. I said, yeah. you, I said, when you're ready to step up to the, to the, to the big world, call me. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I said, most Freon guys will tell you an ammonia guy is crazy. And if you find it a good ammonia guy, he's going to tell you a Freon guy is a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and he asked me, he goes, why? He goes, why do you think that is? I said, because y'all are pussies. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. Know? I mean, it, it's a day I was fortunate. I started, I, I'm, I'm very well, well-rounded when it comes to even HVAC. Like I still, I, uh, a, buddy, a buddy of mine's dad was a mechanical contractor. So I went in, that's how I got introduced to the field. I started in AC um, and I started on duck, which I, which I fucking hated. Ten knock. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was awful. Well, I never, you know, down in Florida, yeah, we I had, a, I never did 10. Well, I always I did duck board, but you know, that is, that's like one of the worst jobs out mm-hmm. there. Like as far, I mean, working in a hunt, especially in Florida where all your duck works up in the attic and you're just sitting up there and it's 140 degrees. And it, I mean, mm-hmm. it is just miserable work. Yeah. So get, a, but, get a good case of swamp ass. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. But I mean, I, I do, I'm very thankful for it because it, it made me a very well-rounded tech. You know, I've having the Freon background got me into control. So, you know, whenever I got into industrial refrigerations I, or industrial refrigeration, I was already ahead there. Um, and, and there was, there's, you know, that's one of the things that kind of plagues our field is this, especially when guys come from more of an operator background, they don't have that control experience. Correct. Correct. You know, so it, it did it, that, that helped me out big time, but yeah, that, that is such a miserable job for you know, sure. You know, it's, um, I, I mean, I, I struggle right now with, you know, with my guys when it comes to electrical, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're excellent. They're excellent compressor guys. Um, they're decent, system guys but if it's electrical it's they're lost you know yeah. and um and then it you know then it falls down to myself or my brother and really falls down to my brother because when it comes to electrical I'll do my best but I'm I'm not hip on electrical myself you know yeah yeah Jake so Jake is still working with y'all yep yep Jake is Jake is the you know he is I call him El Presidente of Farley's you know um after nice. after mom passed away the business moved down to us he's He's considered president. I'm considered vice president. You know, nice. um, he runs, he runs the road and he runs the, I'm going to say the guys on the road. Yeah. My, uh, my thing is the parts room, you know, years yeah. ago we started a, I'm going to say a, a little turn in the business for Farley's mm-hmm. and trying to handle parts and pieces and hard to find stuff and that kind of stuff. And yeah. the other thing I was looking at is I was looking at, 
I'm going to call it the little small startups, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You get the guy who breaks away from one of the big guys. I'm not going to name any names, but you get the guy who breaks away from one of the big guys. He doesn't have any buying power. Yeah. So they go to RS or Hanson or Dan Foss or any of them to try to buy parts and pieces and valves just to do general service. And yep. somebody straight coming in off the street gets a super high multiplier. Yeah. Well, um, we've had a we've had accounts with them. In fact, my RS accounts three digits. You know, well, we've we've had an account with RS all all of our time. Yeah. And um, so I'm bottomed out on multipliers. Mm-hmm. And so I can put a little bit of a markup on it and be able to sell to them and make them competitive with the big boys. Yep. You know, and then over the years I've, I've, uh, you know, worked with companies and developed our own line of, um, I'm going to refer to them as aftermarket filters. We're known as the aftermarket guys. You know, my dad had a big hand in the aftermarket filter world as far as, you know, troubleshooting and research and development for all the parts and pieces and, you know, what was good, what was bad. Um, even, (laughs) A uh, little quick story about the 450XL. When the 450XL came out, Filter had a patent on the connecting rod. And oh, so, wow. and so, as the aftermarket guys, we weren't allowed to make the XL connecting rod because they had a patent on it. Well, wow. we were literally putting trusses on my brother's house, and something happened to the crane. So the owner of the crane company come over there, and he fixed the hydraulic leak on the crane. And we're standing at the back of his truck bullshitting. And I look in the bed of his truck and there's a connecting rod laying in the bed of his truck and I pick it up and it's got the same groove in the connecting rod that the XL does. And I look at him and I go, where'd you get this? He said, out of one of the engines for the crane. I said, what's it from? He said, 53 series Detroit. I said, Mm. really? Really? He goes, yes. Okay. So I went down to the machine shop down in Orlando and went in and seen the rod guy and I said, I need a connecting rod for a 53 series Detroit. He said, well, I don't have any of them done. I said, I don't need one that's done. I need an old one. And I need to know when the 53 series came out. And so they looked it up in the book and they told me whatever year it was. And I sent that connecting rod and everything out to uh, the people that manufacture our rod. And I said, their patent's void. They're like, what do you mean? I said, the patent's void. I said, Detroit Diesel did that exact same thing back in the 50s. (laughs) <laughs> wow and so you have got and, to be kidding me no and so and so that allowed us to to go in and and actually start manufacturing the you know the xl connecting rods let's get into alignment on like belt driven compressors okay. what's your uh or or equipment whatever you you know whether it's a yeah. uh, condenser fan what's the process uh what you know what's the importance of alignment what's what's the issues that misalignment could cause well first off when it comes to the Vilter recips, there was only two cross sections of belts that was ever used on them. And that would be Mm -hmm. a C groove and a five V groove. A lot of people in the industry mistake the five V groove for a B groove as in boy, which is like your condenser fan belts and stuff. Well, Mm -hmm. the the pitch on the five, the pitch on the five V and the B is totally different. And so the B Mm. will fall down in the grooves too far and ride on the bottom and, you know, um, just doesn't pull the horsepower that you need. Yeah. You know, um, personally we use a, 
called a belt hog. And it's a laser alignment tool for belts. And it works off of the grooves of the shivs. It doesn't work off the face of the pulleys. It works off the grooves. Nice. And you put one on the, you know, one on the compressor and one on the other one on the motor and you align the, you know, basically align the two. Um, yeah. Belts is a big thing, you know. Um, it's, you can buy cheap belts. Don't get me wrong. There is cheap belts out there. There's, you know, I mean, there's, I don't even want to name any brands, but there's a bunch of yeah. them. You know, um, a little story that I like to tell is years ago, um, when we first started with the company OptiBelt, I had a 200 horsepower centrifugal fan. It had five V belts on it and sent my guys down. They put a set of belts on it, lasted three days and burn off. Um, told them, I said, look guys, y'all, y'all, you know, y'all messed it up. You didn't get it. You know, you didn't get it aligned. You didn't get it tight. So sent them down with another set of belts lasted three or four days, burn off. Um, told him, I said, look, I guess I'll go. So I go down, I put the belts on it. It lasts three or four days and burn off. And the first thing my guys could do is hum boss. You don't know how to put on belts, <laughs> you know? And it's like, you know, fuck you, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, just, that's, that's cool. just the way it is. Fuck you. And, um, <laughs> so I take all the measurements and everything and I call OptiBelt up and I'm talking to one of their engineers up there in Chicago and he runs it through the calculations and he tells me, he said, look, he said, you're right at the service factor for that belt. He said, you need to step it up to what they call a red power belt, which is a Kevlar backed banded belt. And wow. he gave me the price on it and I about fell out of my chair it's the Kevlar back banded belts, about 50% more money than your standard five V belt. But here you go. We put, uh, he told me, he said, I'll make a deal with you. He said, put these belts on there, run them for a month. If you like them, pay me. If you don't like them, send them back to me. Nice. So, to, so to me, he laid his balls out on the line. Yeah. And I want to say that was five years, seven years ago, and we haven't touched it since. You know, so I've never even heard of Kevlar belts. OptiBelt is the only one. OptiBelt, it's a German, it's a German belt company. Um love their belts. I mean, if you get into a if you get into a drive situation to where you're really close to the end of the service factor or the, the top of the service factor. Yeah. Put, a, put a set of red powers on it. Now your pocketbook's your pocketbook's going to scream. You know, yeah. I mean, straight up, straight up, the customer is going to scream. The customer is going to tell you, "Well, I can get in a Granger book and I can buy belts." And I'll look at you and say, "Go ahead, you put them on." Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm done. I ain't going to do it. You know, I mean, personally, if you want me to put them on, I'm going to put a set of red powers on it. and I'm done with it. Um, I've so what some, is the let's get into the service factor. I've never heard of that before. Like the service yeah, it's factor a, on the belt. Um, service factor on the belt, it, the way that I want to explain it is your your belts are designed to pull X number of horsepower per belt. Yeah. And so let's just uh, let's pick on a 458 XL. You got a 458 XL. Um, a lot of them come from the factory with a 10 groove shiv on the compressor and a six okay. groove shiv on the motor because the service factor says six, five V belts should pull 150 horsepower. Well, okay. 
in a perfect world, six five Vs will pull 150 horsepower in a perfect world. Okay. When there's nowhere, yeah. when there's nowhere on the motor pulley, when there's nowhere on the compressor pulley, and when they're aligned properly, they'll do it. Now, here we go. Personal opinion again. No, you know, I mean, I'm a I'm yeah. a general I'm a general high school diploma guy. So I tell everybody I'm not that smart. But you take <laughs> you take That's a good one. You take you take these five VX belts, which is a cogged belt, and yeah. a lot of the manufacturers will tell you that the X belt will pull more horsepower. Well, in certain applications, the X belt will, if the the drive or the driven shiv is small to where the pulley where the belt has to make a tight radius. Yeah. Because when you take the X belt, it allows it to go around that tight radius by cutting the grooves out of it and allows it to make that turn. Well, oh, most, okay. Most right. of your pulleys on these machines are, you know, let's say 10 inches plus. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have that X belt. So you lose horsepower because the belt actually draws on its side. It doesn't wear in the bottom. If the belt's wearing in the bottom, your shivs are wore out or you got the wrong belts on it. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and... um so you just, you got to have it. And I had some, I had some 458 XLs running 150 horse and X belts. And when they'd load up fully and they'd come under good heavy load, they'd start squealing and, and raising all kind of hell. So I look at it and I go, let's put a set of, let's put a set of, you know, red powers, Kevlar's. We put a set of Kevlar's on it and done. Problem solved. No more walk away. Wow. You know, they're, they're, I refer to them as the Billy Badass belt. <laughs> you know, they're, they're 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 Billy Badass. You know, I mean, and and like I said, your pocketbook's going to know you've been somewhere when you buy them. They're not cheap. You know, yeah. um, I got a I got one customer. He's got a couple of four fifty sixteen XLs belt drive, and they're running ten belts on it. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, and he's if he puts a regular set of belts on it, a regular set of belts will barely last him a year. He's getting, I want to say he's getting four to five years out of these red powers because it's, I mean, it's, it's at the top of the service factor, you know, just like your electric yeah. motors, you got a, what is it? A 1.15 service factor, meaning that motor yeah. is designed to pull a hundred amps. So at a yeah. 1.15, you can, you can literally go to 115 amps, but you can't do yeah. it all the time. Yeah. You know, or yeah. you're going to, or you're going to overheat it or wear it out faster. Yeah. You know, so belts, belts is a big thing, man. Um, I believe, I believe in alignment and I believe in a good set of belts and make sure the shivs don't have any wear on them. You know I mean? You can get the wear gauges. Once again, look mm-hmm. at it. If the belt's wearing in the bottom, take, you know, once you turn it off and lock it out and tag it and test it, stick your finger on, you know, feel the sides of the grooves. If you can feel grooves in it, it's time to replace them. Really? That's some good advice. It's just, it's just that simple. I mean, just, just feel the, feel the sides because that's where the belt's going to grab is on the sides. Yeah. Yeah. Most certainly. Wow, man. I did. I had no idea. I definitely didn't know about that or a service factor on a belt. Yep. All right. So, so let's, let's go this direction. Where do you see the industry going in the next 10 years? What do you see coming down the pipeline? Wow. That's a loaded question. Um, there's a lot of people talking CO2 and personally, from my opinion, I just don't see it, you know? Um, yeah, I'm just, 
I'm, I, I don't know whether I want to call myself anti CO2 or whatever. I just don't, I just don't see it. You know, the regulations are getting harder and harder for ammonia. The, yeah. well, I mean, it's not even just ammonia. It's well, hell just as, you know, as, as a contractor, my yeah. regulations, you know, my regulations, my insurances, I probably spend on average two days a month, two full days dealing with insurances, um, something to do with, uh, ISN, something to do with, you know, I mean, somebody wants the big thing now. Oh, Oh man. I refer to that and, I honestly hope that they're listening to this. I refer to as ISN <laughs> as extortion. Yeah. I I actually, it's actually coded in my system, in my QuickBooks <laughs> system as extortion. Because I have to be ISN, I have to be ISN yeah. rated before I can work at a couple facilities. And the only way yep. I can be ISN rated is to pay them money. So yeah. somewhere down the line, I believe that somebody's brother, uncle, cousin, somebody works for ISN. Or has in the past, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, you know that's a big one. I mean, most I can. We have, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at, at getting a a, uh, a um a contract with with a company right now, and that was the first thing they asked me if I um, was ISN compliant and and or if we had the whatever it is the certification. And, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I told them, yeah, but we, I remember. You know that that's there's a lot of companies out there right now that are asking for that. I mean, you're almost not going to be able to do work at, especially some of the bigger ones. Yep, yep, you're not. You know, and I don't want to say it over this podcast, but if you're having trouble with with being ISN compliant, pop me off an email. We can talk. <laughs> okay, I got I got <laughs> that's I got I got I got, a, I got a guy who can help. Trust me. You know, I mean, okay, yeah, it's you know, it's uh, um. We were green checked with ISN A rated in 24 hours. Wow, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's 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 unheard of. Well, you know, the the deal was, I was doing a job. I had a monthly service contract at a bottling plant. Well, mm-hmm. I was working under another guy, so all of my bills went to him. You know, he subbed me out yeah. to do it. Well, then mm-hmm. it came up that I had to be ISN compliant. I'm like, why do I got to be ISN compliant if he is? I'm working under his. I'm working under his umbrella. Yeah. And they're like, well, if you're on property, you got to be ISN compliant. And I was down to, I want to say, I had less than a week to be ISN compliant or lose my contract. Wow. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge, but you know, I mean, we got it and, you know, I mean, we follow, we follow their rules and do what we're supposed to do. And, you know, I mean, the world of refrigeration has gone to the lawyer, you know, um, the, the one facility we work at, uh, my PM for oil changes is four pages. Why does it have to be? Oh, why does it have to be four pages? You don't have to tell me about lockout, tag out, and ammonia hazards and all this. It's an oil change. You yeah. know, if my guys aren't trained enough to do an oil change, they need to stay the hell away from it. Yeah, most certainly. You know, I mean, if your guys, if your guys aren't trained enough to know how to lockout, tag out, test, and know the dangers of ammonia, then don't do it. You know, find somebody yeah. who is. Yeah. 
you know? And that's a huge problem. We're not, they, one of the things that I've always bought, I mean, and it, and it has been with, with several companies that I've worked with, especially, uh, I don't want to mention the name, but yeah. the, you know, they, you, you cannot overcomplicate a process. And I think that that's one of the th- directions I try to avoid it at all costs. Don't overcomplicate something. Don't add more rules that you can get hit on that, you know, that somebody can come in and, and, you know, find you on or whatever. Don't simplify the process. Kiss it. You know, keep make it, it keep yes. it simple, stupid. Kiss it. Yes. Keep it yes. simple, stupid. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and it just keeps you out of trouble. Yeah. It's, you know, you I know? mean, it's, 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 they've, and I say they, um, they've taken the fun out of work. You know, I mean, yeah. when it when it gets down to this point, they've they've taken they've taken the the ability to be able to you know, I mean, to go in there yeah. and knock it out, you know, and and put it in the lawyer's hands, you know. And I understand yeah. it. Everybody's trying to cover their ass, you know. That, yeah. Hell, that's one of the reasons why I got the service contract because you don't want to pay your guys to do it to do the job because you're scared that if something goes wrong, they're going to sue you. Yeah. You know, and, and I get it, you know, and it's, it's a finger pointing deal. You know, I mean, like I tell them in, in all the little classes and all the little things I've ever been in, if it's not written down, it never happened. Yeah, so the four, true. the four page PM for an oil change, they have to write that down because Joe Blow could come in, you know, he's the nighttime bottle washer and yeah. they're moving him up to maintenance. And now Joe go out here and do an oil change. Well, Joe can take that four pages and if he follows those four pages step by step, he can get the job done. Now it's going to take Joe half a day to a day to do an oil change yeah. where, you know, I'm on, you know, I'm on service contract. I, you know, I, I, I tell my guys, let's get in, let's get it knocked out. You know, I mean, yeah. one of, one of the little sayings is drop your cock and grab your socks. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. You know, be, be safe about it, but drop you, drop it, drop your cock, grab your socks. Let's go, boys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I have no. That's the that's the thing. It's it ha, I have no problem with pe- with people coming out with with policies and stuff to be safe, and I think that we should. You know that, that it definitely should. We just can't overcomplicate the process to where, you know, it's just something ridiculous. That and there's a lot of stuff that. I don't want to, I keep going to mention the company and I don't, I don't yeah, want don't, to, but don't, don't, there, don't. there's a lot of, um, it's nobody that I work for now. So that's but, fine. That's it, fine. Still, yeah. still. Yeah, for sure. It, there's, you know, it, there's just a lot of things. You really can get yourself in some trouble if you come up with something that's so ridiculous that somebody r- really can't follow. It really does need to be a simple process or as simple as you can get it. Um, you know, and, and leave it right there versus writing. I mean, to, to drain oil or something like that, there's nothing out there that's going to take four pages, No, you know, but, well, but it, it, the direction is going that way. Well, that's like, I, um, I got involved with IIR, IIR wrote a new lockout tag out policy and I got involved in it in the infancy of it and realized that my voice was not going to even be heard because IIAR shouldn't, and once again, this is my opinion, and this is Arlie's opinion only. <laughs> this has <laughs> nothing to do with Joshua. This has nothing to do with anybody else. This is my opinion. Nice. Um, IIAR should have never been involved with a lockout tagout policy. 
OSHA already has a lockout tagout policy, but IIAR yeah. had to get involved and write their own, you know, recommendation for lockout tagout. Yeah. I I agree with lockout tagout. We have to have it. Yeah. But when it comes to the point of me going out and let's just pick on, let's pick on servicing a solenoid valve. Okay. So you grab your tools, you got your bucket, you got your, you know, you got everything. You go up on the roof, you do your isolation. And there again, you do your line break permit. If you're going to do your line break permit or whatever it is that you're doing, yeah. um, you go up there, you valve off the, uh, let's just say we're going to change a liquid line solenoid. You close the, you close the inlet solenoid, you close the inlet stop valve, you jack the solenoid open, you let it pump out a little bit. You close the outlet stop valve, you, you break it loose or you blow it down. Let's just say you blow it down. Well, mm-hmm. damn it. I only got one gasket. I need two more gaskets. So you get down off the roof, you go to the truck, you get two gaskets, you go back up there, bam, you get a ticket. You didn't lock those two valves out. Now, to me, the way I read the lockout tag out is accidental energy, energy, um, accidentally energizing something. So how mm-hmm. are you accidentally going to energize a hand valve? You're not. Yeah, that's true. I mean, how is that valve going to open without someone physically doing it? You know, I mean, yeah, that is true. Uh, so as for, I mean, but at the same time, if I were to, if I were to play devil's advocate here, I mm-hmm. wouldn't want someone going behind me. Like as far as like locking out and tagging out valves, that's something that, that we have to do. You know, if yeah. we, if, yeah. if once we shut the, the valve off, we have to lock that valve off. So I would, so I think that that's more of you know, if so, like if you had a heart attack right there and, so, you know, somebody had to come back and they, at least they can see what, you know, okay, this guy had this one valve locked yep. out, you know, or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Nobody's going to come. I mean, we're, this is a very, typically we're the only ones doing it, right? I, when I go to, on a call, I'm the only one there. They're calling me there because they don't want to turn any valves anyways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, if I shut the valve, I mean, I'm with you on that. Nobody's going to come back and unlock or, you know, yeah. open that valve. But they have no idea what that valve does. Well, I had, a, um, I, had a, I had a friend of mine that was a contractor and basically that scenario there happened. When it happened at the facility, first off, the OSHA man was there and he ended up, oh, with, he ended up with a huge <laughs> fine. First off, when the OSHA man shows up, I'm packing up. I'm getting the hell out of there. I don't even want mm-hmm. to be there. No, nah, y'all can do whatever you're going to do. Call me when everybody leaves. Yeah, yeah, you know, I ain't doing it. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just no. Uh-uh. There's no reason for me to be there. There's no reason for any write-ups. You know. Yeah. And you know, the argument was, well, he didn't have control over the valves. Well, you know, you're exactly right. He did not have control over the valves, but he was on the roof. It was a restricted access area. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and it's I don't know. To me, it's a gray area, and and I mean, it is what it is. I get it. But let's have some sense about it, you know? Yeah. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't need, we don't need to write an SOP to go to the bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) You know, this is something mama. They do want. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, they, there's, as far as this, I mean, I've had some companies that just went way overboard with SOPs. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's, and again, if, with, if you're going to write an SOP at that point, 
you that whatever maintenance procedure you wrote up in that you have to follow that correct there is no so it doesn't you can overcomplicate it all you want but if you're going to overcomplicate it you got to make sure that that who whatever mechanic or whoever is going to even a service technician mm-hmm. you know just just like if Walmart has an SOP to pump down an evaporator technically even the service technician that comes onto the facility's property they have to follow your SOPs Correct. You know, so if you the the more d- complicated you make it, you know, and and if that person ever gets caught not doing it the exact same way that you writ, wrote or wrote in your SOPs, mm-hmm. th- that's a finable offense. Correct. 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 You know that I, I'm a huge. I don't. I I I want to make things as simple as possible. I don't think that there's anything wrong with SOPs, but I think that you have to make them as simple as possible. You Correct. don't want to get into anything that's or, or overcomplicate the situation any more than it already is. Because yes. at that point, if that person does not take care of it or does not follow those procedures, that's a findable offense. Yep. Exactly. You know, and it's not it isn't it isn't worth it. And and so I you know, I try to if I'm ever involved on that end, which I have been in the past, um, you know, that that's my goal. Simplify. Simplify to as much as you possibly can so that you can get the job done, but not overcomplicate it. I had a, I had a buddy of mine, one of the, he was an in-house technician at an ice cream plant. Um, one of the other maintenance guys went on vacation. He had his lock. The other maintenance guy had his lock and there was a third guy that had their lock on it. So there was three locks on a lockout. Mm -hmm. Well, um, by the time the second man was coming back, the first man was going to go on vacation for two weeks. So there was, you know, I mean, there was a, there was a lapse right there. So the first man mm-hmm. called the second man and said, Hey, can I, you know, can I get you, you know, can I take your lock off so we can test run this and then I can leave my lock off of it. So number one and number three called number two, number two said, sure, here's where my keys are. They went up, they unlocked it. Number mm-hmm. one man unlocked it. They test ran the motor. Everything was beautiful. They put number two and number three lock back on it. Number one man got fired because wow. because the number two man did not yep. physically remove his own lock. Yeah, and I get it. I get it for safety, but I also get it that hey, you know as well as I do, this equipment's got to yeah. run. You know, I yeah. mean, you can't, you can't leave an evaporator down for a month because somebody's, somebody's yeah. on vacation and then the other person's going on vacation immediately. You know, there's yeah. a, there's a lapse there. I know, I know many years ago I was doing a job and it was on a Sunday and, um, I, uh, told the plant manager, I said, I'm going to go get his keys and unlock it. Well, you can't do that. I says, I'm done. I need to run this piece of equipment for, you know, 10 minutes. Yeah, and then I can, you know, I can, I can put a check mark beside this and go away. He goes, you can't do that. I said, that's fine, no problem. I get paid. I'll get paid to stay the night in a motel and come here in the morning and run it for ten minutes, and I'll go home. He goes, excuse me. I said, you're paying me by the hour. I don't care. I don't care if you don't come in tomorrow. <laughs> I'll stand here and wait. I'm getting paid. And he goes, so all you got to do is run it ten minutes. I said, yeah. He goes, do you know where his keys are? I said, yep. So I went and got his keys and unlocked it and ran it for the 10 minutes that I needed to run it to do my final checks. And then I locked it back up and I left, you know, and should I have done that? 
Probably not. In today's world, definitely not. You know, yeah. in, th- in that world, well, you know, I mean, I laid it on the line. I'm getting paid by the hour. You know, I'm a contractor. Yeah. I got my lock and his lock on it. I was done with my portion, but I don't, I don't want to leave it without pressure testing and yeah. checking the safeties and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I did it, you know, I mean, and then there's other facilities we've been to where, you know, oh, we don't know where the key is. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, Billy Bob locked that up and he got fired. Yeah. And I'm like, we don't have a key to it. No. Okay. So I cut the lock off of it. <laughs> they can't do it as an in-house guy because they'll get fired. But me as a contractor, yeah. I'll cut the lock off of it. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Fire me? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a ton of yeah. I mean, there I've ran into that issue a lot. You know, there 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 really is some restraints to some of these rules that are out there, um, and and we both know that a lot a lot of them get pushed to the side when it comes to production. Yep. You know, and there's not not that. I mean, at, at the end of the day, there's really nothing unsafe. I mean, I'm going to follow whatever rules I'm told to follow. You know, it, it doesn't matter whatever customer I'm at, if they tell me to follow a certain rule. But at the end of the day, the whole goal is to be safe. And if you're not doing something that's going, that is unsafe, but it's just a rule, you know, I mean, uh, again, I'm going to follow whatever procedures I have to follow, but it, some of it is horseshit. Two things. You know, at the end of the day. Two things for you. The first thing, every facility we've ever been in, there's a sign that says safety first. Yeah. What what they don't tell you in really, really fine, small print underneath where it says safety first, it says until you talk to a production manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's yeah. safety first until you talk to a production manager. And the second thing is, is, you know, for lack of better terms, here's your homework. Go to go to a YouTube and type in micro safety third. Watch nice. watch that video. When you watch Micro's safety third video, you'll go, damn, <laughs> it's, it's hardcore. And it's about, I think it's two, three minutes long. And it, I would love to meet the man. If, if I mean, just love to, um, Micro, Micro safety third, watch it. Trust me. Safety third. I'm Trust writing me. it down right now. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. It's, it's the bomb, you know? I mean, it, it's, it's. He breaks it down into a perspective that we all need to really realize that it's not safety first, it's safety third. Trust me, when you watch it, you'll you'll start you'll start saying safety third. Yeah, I'll have to I'll probably end up <laughs> posting it. <laughs> That's fine. Post away, brother. Post away. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and close with something. Let's close with some training. If you had some advice for new guys in the trade, what would it be? What should they focus on? What should they watch out for? What kind of advice does Arlie Farley got? Uh, well, my advice to a new guy, never stop learning, stimulate the gray matter, you know, always stimulate the gray matter, you know, find, I don't know if you're a union guy, find the, find the lead on the union, whoever he is, he, she, um, follow them. You know, I always, uh, I had a, I did a job at a, at a union place and I had a union apprentice working with me and, you know, me and him, we had a real good talk about the union and talking about what he should do. And I told him, I was like, look, I know the lead guy, go to the lead guy on the job, go to him, look at him in the face and say, look, 
I clocked out at three o'clock. I'm your bitch. <laughs> Whatever it is you want done, I'm your guy. Yeah. If you want a bolt turned, if you want your bucket picked up, if you want your tools carried, I'm your guy. I said, follow that guy and learn from him. You know, um, the Rita trainings that's out there, Rita Operator 1, Operator 2, your Rita Cairo, your Rita Ciro. Um, yeah. It's like I tell, it's like I told, well, I told, I told, I told my little Peter-in-law, you know, nephew or <laughs> nephew-in-law this. I told him, I said, you give me five years of your life, five years in the refrigeration or in the ammonia field. And no matter where you decide you want to go in the world, go there. There's ammonia mm-hmm. anywhere. Yeah. And you get good enough in that five years, the people will be hunting you. Yeah. Most you certainly, know, you know, I mean, the head hunter, the head hunters are out there. Yeah. You know, I get, I get head hunted once a month, <laughs> I couldn't imagine once, once a, once a month. <laughs> and it's funny. You know I mean? I laugh about yeah. it. You know I mean? Sometimes it's from, it's sometimes it's from some of my customers, you know, it's like, well, do wow. you want to come to work here? And I'm like, well, hell, yeah. I already worked there. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I already worked there. I just don't wear your shirt, you know? And, yeah. And honestly, I'll tell you, I'm an HR nightmare. I mean, straight up, I'm an HR nightmare. I'm a potty mouth. Oh, um, yeah. I tell everybody about working here at Farley's that I tell everybody, I said, sexual harassment will not be reported. However, it will be graded. <laughs> <laughs> you must maintain a 97% average to stay employed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah. just the way it is. It's, you know, I mean, yeah. don't make life too serious, but, yeah. you know, get some training, learn. Um don't get in a dead end job, find something. Um, if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. You know, um, honestly for me, my 28 years does not feel like 28 years. You know, it feels now my knees, my feet, my hands, my shoulders, my (laughs) back. Yeah. I feel that 28 years and then some, Mm -hmm. but my head and my heart. Now it don't feel like 28 years. Um, personally, I say 98% of the time I love my job. Yeah. 2% of the time I wouldn't have this son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you ain't just, lying. It's just two, yeah. and it's just 2%. The 98% yeah. of the time I'm having a good time. I'm laughing. I talk to people from around the world. You know, I mean, look, yeah. I got called and asked to do a podcast. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. I mean, hell, I want to do more. I'm, you know, this is something I enjoy this, you know, it's, um, getting the story out there, you know, getting a little bit of life, you know, life knowledge, life, you know, life, I don't Mm -hmm. even know the word I'm looking for, man, (laughs) you know, just, you know, just, just telling everybody that, Hey, ammonia is everywhere. You know, I mean, the yeah. Orlando courthouse down here in Orange County has an ammonia ice block builder. They build ice at night, circulate water across it to cool the courthouse during the day. I've oh, been, wow. I've been told that the Kremlin in Russia has an ammonia chiller on it. Wow. It <laughs> really know? is. It's everywhere. It's, I every, mean, it's everywhere, everywhere I go. There, there's not, I've never had a problem getting a job. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I get, I mean, I, I probably get four or five 
recruiters, you know, going after me. Every, yeah. and, and it's because kind of what we talked about earlier is there's nobody that's doing it. So when yeah. you find somebody that's got any kind of skill, yep. they're either, you know, doing something that I'm doing or they own a company like you, yep. you know, there's a, yeah. there, there isn't a whole lot of uh, people out there that are, are, that are doing this. And this is just such, if you can, you're right. If you can get in here, you know, put the Rita, Rita was, I tell everybody that, Rita was the turning point in my career. Not that it was so significant that it, it made me a great service tech, but it gave me the understanding of how to, you know, the 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 absolute basics of refrigeration, which you have to have. If you don't have those basics down pat, if you don't understand superheat or subcooling, if you don't, you have to have those basics down pat. And that's what you're going to get out of Rita. You know, and, and I, I had a, I, I, I you know, I'm actually going to go on record right now and say this. I did not have my two years in whenever I went and got zero certified. I, I okay. had only been in, in refrigeration for about a, a year and three months, but I was on it. Like I knew that this is what yeah. I wanted to do. And I, you know, and, and it, once I learned what was in those Rita books, I was able to do my job much better. I was Correct. able to understand everything I knew what was going on in the refrigeration system. And it just gives you those basics to, to where you can actually look at a system and understand what's going on in it. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, and just like you, um, I'll, I'll go back to 2005. If we drop back to 2005, IIAR was in Orlando. Jeff, I want to say Jeff Welch was president of IIAR at the time. Jeff Welch called us and said, hey, why aren't you guys exhibiting at IIAR? I was like, I don't know. He goes, you know, it's in Orlando. It's in your backyard. And I was like, an exhibit? we never done an exhibit before. So we put, <laughs> our, we put our first 10 by 10 booth together in about three weeks. Wow. And hammered IIAR. Had a good turnout. Um, everything went well. Well, then I found out that Rita in 2005 was in Jacksonville. I'm like, well, hell, let's do this. So we did Rita in, in Jacksonville. And the Rita crowd was my crowd. You know, I mean, it's it's my people. You know, mm-hmm. you know as well as I do. Being oh, a, yeah. Being an industrial refrigeration guy, an ammonia guy, when the family comes over for a family dinner, how's work? My answer is cold. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, what do you, what do you tell them? You can't tell them, well, you know, I was down here working at a bottling plant and they're running, we're running a thousand cans a minute. And we, you know, we, we pulled the chiller down a little bit more. We were able to speed it up to 1150, you know, <laughs> you know, they, they look at yeah. you like you got seven heads. Yeah. You know? Um, we'll go back to a few years ago when, uh, Texas had that flood. Mm-hmm. My wife was all over me. You know, Budweiser did 50,000 cans of water and they gave it away to the people that need it. And I, you know, I get my calculator out and I look at it and I go, it's 45 minutes. She goes, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I said, that's just 45 minutes. Hell, if you want to impress me, give a day's worth. Yeah. And she goes, 45 yeah. minutes. What do you mean? I said, 50,000 cans in 45 minutes. Yeah, that's about right. She goes, <laughs> how can you say that? I said, they're running about 1200 a minute. And I really, I believe Budweiser's running faster than that in ca- in, ca- in bottles or in cans. Mm-hmm. I've heard yep. they're running twelve hundred a minute in glass, which I would love to see. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you, ain't you know, I mean, and you just can't talk about this. You know, I mean, the the general public 
and everybody else, they have no clue about what we do for a living. You know, I mean, um, yeah. I've got a slaughterhouse that we sell parts to. They slaughter um, 3,500 head of cattle a day. Who's that? Uh, National Beef Packing, Liberal Kansas. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. 3,500 3, head of cattle a day is what they used to. They probably Damn, sped it up since then. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you think about you think about the soda industry, you think about the ice industry, you think about the fishing industry, you know, once again, my wife gets pissed off at me because when we go to the grocery store, when she picks something up, I look at the label and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I want to know where it's made. She goes, why do you want to know where it's made? I said, cause I want to know if I know somebody that works there. Cause if I don't know <laughs> somebody, if I've been in there, yeah, if I've been in that facility, <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a lot of facilities that yeah. I would not eat that. Ooh, that. <laughs> uh, uh, the worst one I've ever been in in my life was a gelatin manufacturer. Mm. That one was hardcore. That that swore me off of that stuff for a long time. But and there gelatin again, as in like Jello. I wasn't like, going to say any names, but you know. Oh, no. oh shit! I didn't. <laughs> no, I mean like Jello. Yeah. We might need to beep that out a little bit. Yeah, I'll have to beep that one out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking hardcore. Like no, yeah, hard, thinking hard, like- hardcore, man. I mean. That yeah. was that one was rough, you know. And when you work at a when you work at a beef slaughterhouse, if you ever got to walk through the kill floor and them things are kicking after they've oh, been yeah. gutted and and yeah. they're just hanging there on their side, and you go in the you go in the uh, the, the I'm going to call it the pre chill room, and they're kicking at yeah. you while you're walking by. You swear yeah. I'm never eat, I'm never eating hamburger or beef again. Oh, and, then, and then about two I, days about two days later, you go, damn, I sure would like a greasy hamburger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I've had. A, I've got. I mean, that's the, that's one of the negatives to that's one of the downsides to working in this field. Because sometimes you come across <laughs> some of the food that you love to eat, and then you see where it comes from, and you're just yep. like, holy shit. Yep. Not that they're all like that. No. You know, and there's just some of them out there that are just lagging a little bit behind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Missing, missing, yeah. missing a step or two. But yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, for for the for the for the newbie, for the greenhorn coming in, mm-hmm. get involved. Get involved. Yeah. Find a. You know, I mean, even you know, I mean, find a local Rita chapter. Um, yeah get involved. You know, I mean, talk to these guys, you know, find, find somebody and ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. You know, I mean, hell, as far as I'm concerned, look me up on the internet and call me. If you have a question, call me. If I can't answer it, I'll find somebody that will answer it. I mean, yeah, I don't don't care. You know, I mean, my goal that I like to say is, is I want to save one person. Yeah. Because if I can keep one person from getting hurt in this industry and getting the bad publicity, yeah, then maybe, just maybe, that person can help somebody. And yeah. maybe that person can help somebody. And on down the line, we can all pay it forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, growing yeah, up and I would growing up in the industry, you know, I always teased about I called them the old codgers or the uh, cobs, as I like to call them, the crotchety old bastards in the business. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I hate to use his name, but Larry Kelly, God bless that man. I love that man with, with my heart. Larry Kelly held me when I was three days old. Wow. You know, I mean, 
held me in his arms. And um, two stories about Larry Kelly. First one is, I think it was his 95th birthday. I went to his 95th birthday and I took him a bottle of Johnny Walker scotch. Yep. Because that was his drink. And I looked at him. I said, Larry, I said, you're 95 years old. How did you do that? And he held up he sideways. He held up three fingers together and he goes that right there. And I go, what is that? And he goes, that's how much scotch I drink every night when I get home. <laughs> I was there. Oh, were you? Okay. I was there on that. Yes. On his 95th birthday. I remember and, that bottle of scotch. Yes. I remember and, you break, and I watched him break it open. Oh yeah. We broke it open and had a sip right there. And then, yep. and then he spread his fingers out as far as he could spread those three fingers. And he said, then Audrey starts putting ice in my scotch. So it's three fingers spread out that way. <laughs> He was a he was a an interesting dude. He yeah. really was. I, I did. Uh, it, it was probably the most uncomfortable interview I've ever been into in in my entire life. And I was it was when I was moving from Publix to going out into the service industry. And so I was friends with Jerry Kelly, which was Larry's yep. boy. Yep. And uh, and so D- D- Jerry had set me up with an interview. And so I go in there and I talk to him and I tell him the money that, you know, I, that was the first thing he asked me how much money I wanted. wanted. And I told him and he's and man, he was like, that's fucking bullshit. I, my son doesn't even make that. And I and I didn't. I hear I am. I'm like 19 years old. And I don't know. I've never heard anybody say anything like that in an interview. So mm-hmm. I'm like frozen solid and i didn't know you know i was like i your son has to be making more than that you know at yep. that time mm-hmm. and uh so and it, the whole interview was like that the service yep. manager came in the service manager started saying something and as soon as he said something wrong larry was right there oh you dumb son of a bitch that's not what we're yep. supposed and yep. i was like holy shit man what is going on and i've never you know been in an interview like this and it was he was a wild dude oh he was he was he was he was he was straight up the other the other story that i love about larry is i was down there in the orlando area and um, I went into his office and I always went in the back door. I never went in the front door. You know, I mean, yeah. the, front, the front doors were paying people go. I went in the back yeah. door and the lights were all off. So I used my light and I opened up the door to the office and there was nobody. There was nobody stirring. There was nobody. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in that office. I said, wow. I said, hey, where's everybody at? And I hear Larry hollering from his office over here. So I go over into his office and he was he was all but blind at the time. Yeah. And I stand at the door and he said, who is that? Says Arlie. He goes, Hey, sit down. And so I sat down and he's sitting in his chair and he's got his big old stogie in his mouth, big old cigar. Yeah. And it was never, it wasn't lit. Yeah. And he was sitting there chewing on it. And I said, Larry, I said, where the hell's everybody at? I said, there's always people in here. Where's the hell's everybody at? He said, I told him it was my fucking boat row or get out. <laughs> so they're out rowing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was wild man that was a wild dude for sure and so and so i still i still tease every now and then about my brother will say hey what are you doing i said, i'm rowing what the hell you think i'm doing i'm rowing <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> you know oh man arlie dude this was a great conversation man do you have um it can, do you feel comfortable with giving out your contact information yeah, and your yeah. and your business information that yeah. way people if they need something yeah. they know how to get a hold of you sure will sure will uh 
I'm sorry, website is Farley's, F-A-R-L-E-Y-S dash, like the minus, srp.com. Okay. Uh, personal or email address is Arley, A-R-L-I-E, at Farley's, F-A-R-L-E-Y-S dash, srp.com. And office phone is 352-742-2010. And anything, you know? Yeah. Y'all deal a lot with, uh, with, with filter parts or aftermarket filter parts. Is that what it is? We deal, you know, we, our mainstay is the aftermarket filter parts. Um, like I said, we've got the line of aftermarket filters for the screw compressors. We've got ammonia hoses, pressure gauges, pretty much kind of a go-to kind of place for lack of better terms, you know, um, all the RS, all the Hanson, all the Danfoss, um, we're considered OEM for OptiBelt belts, master drive shivs, Benshaw starters and drives, nice. and North American electric motors and controls. Sweet. You know, they, they've considered us OEM for those. And, um, you know, it's stuff we use when we build our packages. You know, yeah. because we take a we take the old ugly filter, go through it completely, and you know, I mean, hell, maybe we'll save that one for another save that one for another episode about how we do what yeah. we do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and I do want to bring up one one quick thing is, and you were talking about how you help the little guy. Yep. I, I was actually at the receiving end of that. You the you 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 were dead on. I could not get credit with anybody, and I reached out to you, and you immediately gave me some credit. So, if you've got a small business or something like that, if you're just getting into the um, mechanical trade and you you're going out on your own, Arlie is the man. You know, <laughs> he will definitely. I mean, you helped me out back then, so you know, I don't I don't hey. forget that. That's definitely something that you do. Well, you know, I mean. It- we, we, and I'm going to say we as little businesses, especially mom and pop places, you know, um, I don't know my silly way of looking at it is you hear about this, you know, you got small business Saturday. No, we don't want small business Saturday. We need small business every day. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. I understand we have to go to big businesses to do some stuff because big businesses, you know, push everything, but big businesses don't, don't rule the world. You know, it's like I told my son, my son's eight years old and, um, I don't know, real quick, I took him on a rebuild of a compressor back in June <laughs> with nice, me at, at eight nice. years old. And he helped me. That's he awesome. Went, he helped me pull the heads. And I told him about what I call lung lock and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he was excited. He's excited. He wants to work with dad. If he wants to work with me, he's yep. got to push. He's got to push, you yep. know. But the small businesses, I mean, we got to support, we got to support the small businesses. What happened to Main, what happened to Main Street USA? You know. Yeah. All these little, yeah. you know, the little, I don't know, I don't, you know, the little hardware store, the, the little guys, you know, everybody's after that penny for lack of better terms. And sometimes yeah. in my opinion, it's not worth it. You know, I mean, yeah. I deal with, um, I deal with a local company that's in Eustis. It's where I was actually born and raised in the little town by the name of Eustis, Tip mm-hmm. Top Tees and or Tip Tops of America. They do 98% of our promotional items, you know. They do, yeah. they do the design for our shirts. They print our shirts and, and the other stuff that we do, you know, and it's a, nice. you know, it's a mom and pop business, you know? Yeah. And so any, anything we can do to help keep the mom and pop businesses alive, we need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep. They're the backbone of America. Yes, sir. Yep. 
Well, Arlie, hey, man, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on, and, and I've definitely enjoyed this conversation with you. Okay, cool. Maybe, we, right. maybe we can do it again, all right? We most certainly will. All Have right. a good night. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good evening. All right. Yep. See ya. All right. So that was an awesome conversation with one of the industry's best. Um, I'd personally like to thank Arlie for his time, and I'm sure we'll be doing this again. So if you're an expert in the industrial refrigeration field, don't hesitate to reach out to be on the podcast. I'm always looking for more guests. Um, and you know, if you got something to talk about, we'll talk about it. Well, that will do it for today's podcast. You guys be safe and take care until next time.